أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا يستوي منكم من أنفق من قبل الفتح وقاتل أولئك أعظم درجة من الذين أنفقوا من بعد وقاتلوا وكل وعد الله الحسن والله بما تعملون خبير صدق الله العظيم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين respected listeners welcome to you wherever you are in whichever part maybe the morning has just started or maybe you are still in the night or whatever it is that may Allah be with you and his protection over you and whatever you are doing may Allah give you barakah in there the Quran speaks a lot about the Sahaba in various parts of the Quran I'm to take you I would require uh, probably a long period of time to to speak about everything and that also might not be possible because we might not be cover, we might not cover everything we find here in this verse from surah hadid verse 10 where allah taala speaks about uh, the the various categories or two categories that uh, the sahaba are broken up into one thing is must remember that all the anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam had companions around them people who believed in them people who stood with them people who got killed for just because they uttered the same words as the nabi uttered you find for instance as an example the incident of sumaya some of the names uh, might not appear because of my <laughs> uh, now getting slowly old and sometimes uh, difficulties was getting the name on but you take for instance as an, uh, as an example sumaya radiyallahu anha who was the first shahida or the first person to be killed for the deen of islam so like this we find that uh, here you find that a lady and to also to make it even worse that the followers of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the beginning were very poor people poor people laborers you find that uh, you you take uh, Uh, you take Sumayyah, you take her husband, they were slaves uh, in Mecca. Then you take Bilal, radiallahu anhu, you take him also, also slaves. So you find that these these were the weaklings physically and materially. They had nothing. But they had the lure of Iman for which no price can be put on to, on, onto. So like this, among the Sahaba, you find that there were some early many were threatened many were told we'll kill you we'll do this to you we'll do that to you find all those threats of the kuffar in makkah where the, uh, uh, these people had joined up with the nabi sallam many of them had made their known uh, they were not secretly muslim some of them might have in- initially maybe but they it became known that uh, he is associating with muhammad or like this uh, the courageous to say and they knew that this is the one your slave your worker yeah you you fix him up we will do this we'll do that like that 
and so these people laid down their lives and with that sincerity and they stuck on to the nabi you don't find if you read up history you don't find anybody running away from islam you find maybe you find many movements as an example political movements uh, and you find maybe other kinds of movements uh, you find and then you find that uh, one two fell off another main men uh, who might be associated with the group falls off you find that more with the political group uh, <coughs> you find now in our country that we having so you find how many so whereas there was one or two political groups in the country there's now so many and every time you hear somebody is defecting somewhere else this was never the case of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam when they that iman entered their hearts they were as firm as as a large rock that could not be moved at all that was there in their hearts so like this we find that Yes, the Quran uh, in this place in this ayat that I've read to you, la yastavi minkum man anfaka min kablil fathi wa qatil. The Quran has divided the Sahaba into two groups. One is before the fath, the fath of Makkah. I'll just explain that now. And one is after the fath of Makkah. The fath means the victory when the Muslims overran. Makkah finally after the treaty of Hudaybiyah and where there was uh, certain conditions that were made that were broken by the Quraysh not by the Muslims by the Quraysh we find that they also Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam held on to all all <coughs> the restrictions that they placed on the Muslims is that made Hazrat Umar very angry but the thing is that Hazrat uh, Abu Bakr radhiyallahu anhu came him down and told him to just keep quiet don't do anything or say anything this is not a defeat so like this you find that then two years later the muslims then came back again and they overran makkah the army was probably about 10000 that surrounded the whole of makkah and those people who have been to makkah or you've seen pictures although pictures now is most of the rocks have been broken down and you find in, in that place all hotels and and homes and whatever it is so like this we find that makkah was in a valley and surrounded by mountains and we find that oh, the muslim army virtually surrounded the the whole place We find here also another thing very strange. I might just say it about often, but it, it is correct also. There was no, there was no uh, mass arrests, uh, murders, uh, catching people, imprisonment, and this that everything, and everything was forgiven. There was only two or three people who had some very serious. allegations or crimes crimes i'll say not allegations they were responsible for certain serious crimes for which they were executed there was only three or four and the whole of makkah was at peace with the nabi and the bulk in fact not everybody then said that let us now give up and they all became muslim so you find that the nabi entered there with his group of 10000 and so 
That means this is a cut-off period that those who came in early, they were in the eyes of Allah Ta'ala and in the eyes of the Nabi and in the eyes of the Ummah also, the most superior ones because the Quran says, La yastabi, those who were before uh, before this uh, uh, victory of Makkah, those who man those who spent also, they not only, and they fought also, and they fought also before, that these people were in the first grade, they were the first category among the believers. So we find that uh, these people, uh, this was the first, the uh, year we find that nobody was harmed except those few, uh, three or four people who had serious, very serious uh, crimes against them, that they had suffered for whatever they had done. But otherwise, the whole of Makkah was safe. And now, if we just take it the other way around, uh, uh, maybe somebody might get a cross on the... Uh, if you take what happened in Kabul now is that apart from the Taliban and the mullahs entering there, there were also a lot of people who were fleeing. There were people who were killed, and like this, people who were imprisoned and all this. You find there's mass hysteria, whereas here, absolute, the asr or the, the, the impression of the Nabi on, on the Baladullah al-Haram, on this Allah's sacred town was such, that there was absolutely peace, calm. Nobody was running away. Here yeah, you find that people, the manner in which uh, some of the people escaped from Kabul, uh, there were many of them were not criminals. They were government officials. They worked with various uh, nationalities and all that. So we find that what a big difference is there that when you follow the Sunnah and you find that what the Nabi did, and what you come and do in a town is two different things. So anyhow, the Quran has placed these people as that these people who spent and who fought. Spent, people were not rich at that time. A lot of people were uh, very poor. There was no uh, big money there. There was no oil wells there as it is now, which is being wasted in all kinds of directions and all that. Here we find that these people had some of them had virtually nothing. Some of them had no clothing. You find that uh, in the incident of uh, uh, Musab bin Umair, uh, he, uh, when he died, he only had one sheet, and then also the sheet wasn't enough for him to serve as a kafan. So like that, these people made these sacrifices. So for us also, we are now who have come afterwards also, those who have a little bit of money, that make your sacrifices also in this path of Allah, in the path of Allah. A lot of people sometimes have a lot of money for weddings and a lot of money for other shows and all that. And like this uh, building, sometimes very fancy houses. Uh, and that is all over the world. It's not only probably in one country or something. So like this, let us also spend some of our money if we have that money and not say, not tell anybody if we, that I got no money. Sometimes people uh, go to a person who is very wealthy and he doesn't know, I haven't got nothing now or I don't have or even despite the fact that he might have. So like this, that those who spend 
and fight. Now fight, there is no jihad now at present, uh, unless the time will come, maybe the right time for jihad will come. So these are the highest category was this lot of people. And then those who came after that, after eight now, uh, nine hijri, ten hijri, and then after that, of course, uh, the Hajj of Rasulullah and his subsequent death after he comes back from from the Hajj. So this was for two and a half years. So in this two and a half years, all those who join later, they fall in the, in the lower category of the Sahaba. So like this, sometimes I, uh, as an eye-opener to some of our uh, uh, lecturers and all that, sometimes you refer to somebody as a very senior Sahabi, and in the meantime, he might not be a senior Sahabi, he might be a little bit junior, of course, even with all that. So, and as I say, these people, whoever went out in the past of all and whoever did, Allah rewarded them well. Two strange incidents, I was just thinking about it this morning. Uh, some years back when I was a student in India and uh, one of the seniors of the Tablighi Jamaat, I was in Nizamuddin, and uh, I was there with uh, Maulana Isa Paranpuri. He had come back uh, from Jordan and some other places. So he was relating an incident of a Sahabi's grave uh, near some river or something. And so, but the incident happened much earlier. So he says, I met an old man here uh, in Jordan, and he told me his incident as a young man. That means that probably uh, at the most it could be 100 years, maybe 150, but I don't think even 150, about 100 years. So he says that... Um, there was a grave of a Sahabi because a lot of Sahaba are buried in Jordan, what is Jordan today, what is Syria today. And you know that uh, when, uh, especially when the plague of Amwas, when the plague came down, uh, hundreds, hundreds died in that plague. Uh, and uh, many of, most of them were Sahaba also. So like this, this Sahabi's grave was too near a, a river, and over the years, the riverbank uh, was receding, the riverbank was falling apart. So they decided to to rebury, uh, uh, open the grave, and if there is anything inside, they didn't know what was inside, but we'll open the grave, and if there's anything inside, then we will. Uh, and it was a grave of a Sahabi or of that early, very early period after Rasulullah when the jihad took place. So they opened the grave. They selected for students from uh, some religious institution or some good boys, youngsters and all that. And they made them dig up the grave and they took the body out. After a thousand years or more, the body was just as fresh as it was buried this morning. The coffin was just like that. And a large crowd of people came there to to witness the scene and they had taken the body further up away towards the hilly area where they reburied the body. And the body was absolutely fresh. And definitely it was of one of the Zahabas. Uh, you can see. So look what promise Allah had given them that you, you went in my path. I, I'll see to it that I look after you and I don't rot. Uh, I'd, I'll see that your body doesn't rot and all that. So like this, we can see that what the intention that these people came and the, and they 
what they got is they got safety in the grave, which is the biggest thing. After us, all of us who are listening here, we know that we're not guaranteed there when they're going to drop us there uh, alone in that dark corner that what is going to happen to us. So let us do something. Let us prepare for, and if we have made a wrong, make Toba and, and go for the better. Just one more incident. Uh, this was uh, this this was an uh, incident in Iraq. Also, similar was a river being closed by, and they brought the they dug up the graves. I I'm not sure how many there were, but I did read about this some time back. So, a Christian uh, doctor came to the uh, also to witness this whole incident because he was surprised that you know uh, nothing in Christianity or in the Jewish religion that something is happening like this. So he also went to witness the, and he was an eye specialist. The, the doctor was an eye specialist. So uh, when people came to make ziarat of the uh, the body and all that, he looked at the eyes of uh, the uh, the mayor or the sahabi that was there buried. He looked at his eyes, and he says. And he came to the conclusion, this is not the eye of a dead person. This man is alive. This man is alive. He's living. Although, uh, I mean, there's no uh, breath or no movement of body or anything. He says this man hasn't died yet because his eyes are totally of a living person and not a dead person. And there and there on that spot, he accepted Islam. So like this, uh, brothers, let us see how we can also, with the, uh, as the Sahaba, look, try and read up matter on the Sahaba, uh, whichever language, wherever you are. Uh, definitely there are booklets uh, booklets and books and volumes that are on the life of the Sahaba. Let us see how much we can bring ourselves closer to that. Wa akhiru da'wana'ana alhamdulillahi rabbil alam. Subhanallahi wa bihamdi, subhanallahi wa bihamdi.